Well, if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read three verses. Acts chapter 2. Paul said not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. What an encouragement that is to everyone who tries to stand behind the pulpit and say anything. Our sufficiency is of God. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Lord willing, I'll be speaking to you these three nights. Six messages on the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first message, this first one, will be sort of a general introduction to His miracles, trying to understand what these miracles really were and why they are so special and so glorious. And then, Lord willing, in the other five messages, we will consider one one miracle each message and um, looking at what God is saying to us in those miracles. So, again, this message is an introduction to the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 22. Peter is preaching here to unbelieving Jews, people who were not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his first words, once he he talks some about the prophecy of Joel, but his first words, when he begins to talk concerning the Lord Jesus, is a bold statement and reminder to these unbelieving Jews regarding the miracles and wonders and signs that had characterized his life. A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs. So, I want to say this to start out with. This is our first point. And that is, the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus was a life and ministry characterized by miracles. His whole life and ministry. Miracles of healing. Alright, listen to these. Deafness, dumbness, blindness, fever, leprosy, more than one occasion, issues of blood, lameness, palsy, 
epilepsy, paralysis, withered hands, and severed ears. <laughs> Miracles of healing. Miracles of feeding. 5,000 on one occasion, 4,000 fed on another occasion. Miracles of provision. Tribute money provided to pay the tribute from the mouth of a fish. Miracles of deliverance from the bondage of Satan. Deaf spirits, dumb spirits, suicidal spirits that would cast a boy in the fire, try to kill him, or in the water. <coughs> Legions of demons that would give a man supernatural power, strength to, over, to break chains, and cause him to run naked in the tombs and cut himself crying out day and night. Miracles over the elements. Turning water to wine. Stilling storms. There was a fierce, so there was a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the ship and he rebuked the wind. Stop that. And he said to the waves that are breaking over the ship, hush, be still. <laughs> he said, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Amen. Walking on water, disciples are straining at the oars. He comes walking on the water to them. And then immediately when he gets in, the boat is at the land where it was going. So miracles of healing, miracles of feeding, miracles of provision, miracles of deliverance, miracles over the elements. We're about done? No. Miracles over the animal kingdom. Cast your net on that side. Miracles regarding the plant kingdom. Curses the fig tree. Miracles of knowledge. He knew their thoughts. He knew who believed in Him and who would betray Him. Miraculous protection and deliverance from His enemies. They take Him up to the brow of a hill to throw Him off and it says He walked through their midst. How's that happen? Miraculous. John 18, <clears throat> there was, He said, Who do you seek? They said, Jesus. He said, I am. And it says they lurched backward and fell to the ground. Yeah. That all? No, I didn't know. <laughs> Miraculous triumph over death itself. Here's a woman bringing her son in a funeral procession. He says, stop here. She wasn't asking. She wasn't praying. She wasn't crying out. This is, this is a woman, this is a widow whose only son has died. And he has compassion and he raises, he raises that boy from the dead. Here's Jairus' daughter. He says, little girl, Talitha, come. Wait, get up. Here's Lazarus, he's been dead four days. Lazarus, come forth. 
and the ultimate triumph over death, his own resurrection, <clears throat> destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. No man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. How this commandment I've received from my Father. So, I say, the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus was a life and ministry of miracles. Miracles of every sort, in every situation, and every circumstance. And aside from the specific miracles that I've just mentioned, listen to these general statements. Now I'm taking this, these are not parallel passages, these are all from one gospel. So Mark 4, 23 and 24, And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. There are a bunch of these, see, that I mentioned that we don't even, they're not mentioned. And the news about him went out into all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, taken with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. A few chapters later, Matthew 8, verse 16, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. Next chapter, Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Four, three or four chapters later, Matthew 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. And in that same chapter, Matthew 14, when the men of that place recognized him, they sent into all that surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick, and they began to entreat him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. Matthew 15. And great multitudes came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, dumb, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So that the multitude marveled marveled as they saw the dumb speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Amen. And beloved, those are all from one of the Gospels. I say the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus was the life and ministry of miracles. Miracles of every sort in every situation. There was a time about 75 or 100 years ago when the liberal unbelieving scholars set out on the quest for the real Jesus. The his, you know, get rid of all these legends and these, these miracles and all those stories and find the real human Jesus that went around telling people to love one another and, you know, in general, didn't do much. We want to find the real Jesus. They said we can go through, back to this, separate out the stuff, these legends, and we'll come up with the real human Jesus. 
And the problem is that those men even had to admit, if you get rid of the supernatural, you don't have any Jesus left. There is no non-supernatural Jesus in history. And that goes a long way towards explaining why you can have a 2,000 page history book in a college class and even by secular standards they'd have to admit Jesus changed human history more than any other man and yet you've got a page and a half about Jesus. Why? Well because he's too hot to handle. You start talking about Jesus of Nazareth and start getting a little bit close to him, and pretty, you know, you've got to you've got to ask yourself some questions about his person. If you admit that he even lived, which is absolutely certain historically that he lived, then you got to ask, what was he like? And you learn about what he was like by what he said and what he did. And when you get in, we what. To talk about his words would be an, an entire week. But just when you get to looking at his works, and the things that he did, and begin to deal with his miracles, you have to make a decision about who he is. You either have to bow to him as Lord, or you have to spit on him and kill him. There, there was... Uh, a magazine years ago, I suppose it's been 40 years ago, a humanist magazine, it should be called the Anti-Christian Magazine. I don't even know if it's still in existence, but I, I remember I picked one up, up up at the college there where we live, and there was an article about Jesus said, was Jesus of Nazareth really crucified under Pontius Pilate? And then the subheading, did he ever even live? Now that ought to be very encouraging to every Christian. Because you get down, there is absolutely no question about whether Jesus lived. And so what you're dealing with is not a matter of history, but a matter of hatred. That's what's coming. That's what's happening. And you get too close to him and you, you're going to have to make a decision. So it's better just to leave him alone. Don't talk about him. Men will come to absolutely absurd positions, say maybe he didn't even live. They'll do that to keep from bowing the knee to him. Think of this. All the major world's religions can get by just fine without the miraculous. You take miracles out of Hinduism, it doesn't affect it at all. Muhammad himself said he couldn't do any miracles. That was his statement. There's nothing in there about miracles. Confucianism, there's nothing. There was that was a bunch of of nice sayings. Some of them were wise, but there's nothing miraculous. You it's not dependent on that at all. Islam, Buddhism, same thing. Confucianism, Hinduism, but that's not true of Christianity. It is, it is precisely the story of the great miracle that God has come in and invaded human history. Amen. That's right. 
And it starts out with miraculous prophecies concerning him hundreds of years before he's ever born. And then when he's born, he's born a miraculous birth of a virgin. And by the power of God, he lives a miraculous, sinless life. And then when he dies, he dies a miraculous death. You don't have a martyr in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the sky growing dark and the whole earth shaking. You see, it's a different kind of thing. And then, after he dies a miraculous death, he has a miraculous resurrection. So you take the miracles out of Christianity, you don't have anything left. There on the cross, he's before the cross, sweating drops of blood. There's nothing like this. Buddha said, That's the way, you know, that's the noble eightfold path to nirvana. Jesus said, I am the way. Total difference. Now, this was the message of Peter on the day of Pentecost. He stood up there, the disciples had been shocked and overwhelmed in spite of themselves and in spite of their own unbelief, they had been shocked and overwhelmed by the person of Jesus Christ. Not the resurrection, yes, but His his life, His whole life. John says the, the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and what the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory he said we we saw we saw something we saw something that was unique and divine so peter could stand up there and he say you know now look at that verse 22 men of israel listen to these words jesus the nazarene a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through Him in your midst just as you yourselves know. See, they didn't, they didn't debate that. They, said, they didn't say He didn't do the miracles. They said He did it by the power of Satan, by Beelzebul. They knew, but they hardened their hearts. Has it ever struck you these Gospels let me just get them here. These Gospels are here in my Bible about 180 pages. Where'd they come from? You really think that, that the disciples made up the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, think about that. You think that maybe they made up the words of Jesus in the upper room? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's glorious. They said, we, what we have seen and heard, I am so thankful that I'm not following the philosophy of a Paul or a Peter or whatever. I'm not, that, that's not it. They, they just said, we're telling you what we saw. Yeah. And what we saw was unique divine glory Amen. in the person of Jesus Christ. They didn't make up the resurrection. The resurrection exploded upon them. <laughs> and they, 
And they were the last ones to believe it and they went out telling everybody everywhere, He's risen. You read through the book of Acts, He's risen, He's risen, He's risen. They were transformed from weaklings into witnesses. You know what it's like when people make up miracles? Let me give you some examples. Muhammad, as I said, he said that he he specifically said he didn't have the power to do miracles, but they made up some for him anyway. He can make water come out from between his fingers. And he rode his horse, Borak, to paradise and back. And he was saluted by walking trees and stones. Now, isn't that a glorious <laughs> concoction? <laughs> How about Buddha? When he was a baby, he was born. He clapped his hands and said, I have arrived. <laughs> and the so-called Christian fabricated miracles in these what are called apocryphal gospels. They're not real gospels. They came later. But they were made up stuff. You have stories of the boy Jesus taking balls of clay, throwing them up in the air, turning them into birds to amuse his playmates. Now that's the kind of stuff that men come up with when they make up miracles. But the miracles of the gospel are a total contrast. They're sublime. They're majestic. They're not just tricks of a divine magician. They're not performed to get a crowd. In fact, the opposite. He'd say, don't tell anybody. He couldn't even go in the cities. He, did, he, he would try to play it down so that they would, there wouldn't be the crowds. They weren't performed for selfish reasons. In fact, the opposite. He said, turn these stones into bread. You're hungry. He wouldn't do it. They weren't even performed to help people, ultimately. We're going to get into that, Lord willing, as we go forward. The miracles of Jesus were acted parables. They were full of divine truth and beauty. Some people, I'm belaboring this thing because I want us to get this. Some people try to explain the miracles as psychosomatic cures. Now I had a, a comparative religion book when I was in college that goes through the various religions. And there's a case where you've got to deal with If you're going to talk about Christianity, you've got to deal with Jesus, whether you want to or not. So this was a, a well-known textbook at the time quite a few years ago that I was in college, but it, I'm sure they've got something to replace it that's worse. But this is what, this is what he said. This guy's name was Nos. He said, Jesus lived in a time when there was a lot of tension and fear among the people. And many of the people made themselves feel sick because of worry, etc., but Jesus had a very warm, wholesome, and challenging personality, and it made the people's symptoms vanish in an instant. That's how it explains it. They thought they were sick. <clears throat> so here's a guy. He thinks, I mean, he's worried, he's worried around so much that he thinks he's got leprosy. 
<laughs> Here's a woman. She thinks she's had an issue of blood for all these years. But the really good one, you know, Jesus had this warm, wholesome, challenging personality. Here's Lazarus. He's been dead four days. <laughs> you really need a warm, wholesome personality to get a dead man <laughs> to come out of the tomb. What foolishness. The response back then was the same as it would be today. This is what they said. Nothing like this was ever seen in Israel. Yeah, that's right. Here's another one. We have never seen anything like this. this is a, that's a different gospel. Here's another one. Since the beginning of time, it's never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. They, they realized what they, they weren't that gullible. There's, nobody's ever seen anything like this. So, that's my first point. Do you believe that? The life and ministry of the Lord Jesus was a life and ministry characterized by miracles. Second, the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to cause us to bow down before Him. Notice the way Peter says it in verse 22. Jesus was attested to us by God. It means God put His stamp on the Lord Jesus Christ so that we might know who He is. He wants us to get this. And we're inexcusable for not getting it. This is what Jesus said, The witness which I have is greater than that of John, for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father sent me. So men have no excuse for not believing on Jesus Christ. This unique divine glory displayed in His words and His works. And in His works, Jesus said in John 15, 24, if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated Me and My Father as well. The human race has to answer for their rejection of Jesus Christ. Here's another one. John 20, 30 and 31 it says, many other signs therefore Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these have been written. There are seven or eight signs that were, John picked out. He says, I wrote those. These have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. You see, according to John, the miracles of Jesus ought to lead us to faith. Amen. Now, how, you say, how can that be? Well, both Elijah and Elisha raised the dead. That doesn't mean they were the Son of God. How, how can? How, why does he say such a thing? Here, here's Elisha he, or Elijah. This in First Kings 17. He stretched himself. I'm quoting stretched himself out upon the widow's son three times and called to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's life return to him. And and he was brought back to life. That's not what Jesus did. Lazarus had been dead four days. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. 
I'm saying this. I don't say, I say this for the sake of those around me that they might believe. See the difference? Yeah. Amen. And you look at and you've got to look at the whole picture, you see, when you start to see the whole picture, you've got no excuse. Amen. This is not this Jesus of Nazareth is not Elijah stretching out or Elisha, you know, crying out to God or Peter or Paul or anyone. It's a different story. You're encountering a person. There's a unique divine glory about the miracles of Jesus. <clears throat> he did among us the works which no one else ever did. None. No one. So that's the second point. The miracles of Christ ought to cause us to bow before Him. The third point's this. The miracles of Christ ought to greatly encourage us to believe God. Amen. All right? Christ did not perform His miracles as God walking around in a human skin. Now this is an amazing thing. He performed His miracles as a man putting His trust in God. Now you're going to have to look at, think about this. Look at this verse that we just read. He said in verse 22, he says, A man attested to you by God with signs and wonders and miracles which God did through him. Mm-hmm. A man. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. It's amazing. There's a, there's a really wonderful passage in Luke 5 where it says the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. It wasn't just some automatic. There was power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. John 14.10 Jesus said the Father abiding in me does His works. Acts 10, 38 and 39. Now this is, this is amazing. I think it's, it was Peter preaching here, I believe. <clears throat> he says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For what? For God was with him. Jesus of Nazareth, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Now, how did he do all those things? Well, he did them because God was with him. Yeah. <clears throat> Not by the power of His inherent deity, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's good to study commentaries, but it's very common for commentaries to say that Jesus did His miracles by His divine nature. His divine nature did this miracle. And then whenever He, whenever He's thirst or something, well, His human nature thirsted. Well, the problem is, is natures don't will or think or do anything. Persons do that. And Jesus was a person 
with a divine and human nature. He was one person. He was not two persons. And as that one person, he did the things that he did. So it was the it was this human and divine person, Jesus of Nazareth, who did these miracles. The Lord Jesus Christ won the battles that he won by faith as a man trusting in God. He had to win the battles as a man in order to save us. He couldn't be just he couldn't have some trump card up his sleeve. He had to succeed where Adam failed. So where the devil's out there testing him, he can't just pull out I'm God. He's a man trusting in God. Just where Adam failed, he has to succeed. So he wasn't just God in a in a human skin. And this is amazing. You know, people the devil came to him and said, If you're the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Some people get that wrong. They say, Well, see, he's testing whether he's making him doubt his sonship. No, he wasn't making him doubt his sonship. He had just had a voice from heaven saying, You're you're my beloved son. (laughs) What he's doing is trying to get him to presume upon his sonship. If you're the son of God, command these stones to be made. He's trying to get him to step out of that position of a man under God and put forth the power of his inherent deity. I'm not saying he didn't have he could he had the omnipotence, the omniscience, all those things, but he did he steadfastly refused to draw upon those. Yeah. And you know it ought it ought almost bring us to tears. The devil says, if you're the son of God, show your power. And how did Jesus answer? Man shall not live by bread alone. Yeah. He takes it right back to the real thing. He's a man, and he's not going to move from being a man, and he's going to win as a man. Amen. Amen. Isn't this amazing? Amen. I love the passage in Hebrews 2. Maybe we ought to turn to it. (laughs) Hebrews 2. Beginning in verse 11, he says, Both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one, and the word Father supplied, but I think it's rightly supplied. So he who sanctifies is the Lord Jesus, and those who are sanctified are his children, believers, bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author. Uh, I'm sorry. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the church or the congregation, I will sing thy praise. And again, another quote, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Now think of this. He says... 
both he who sanctifies the Lord Jesus who shed his blood to, to, to sanctify us and those who are sanctified they're all from one father for which cause he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters Amen. he's our Lord but he's also our brother in that sense that he became man truly became man now he says he's going to prove that he says saying I will proclaim thy name to my brethren he calls us his brethren and so he's saying I'm going to come down here into this world and proclaim God's name to you one another just like we would do in some tiny measure when we encourage one another on who God is I'll proclaim my thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I'll sing praise to you. So what's the Jesus takes his seat out there with us and praises God as a man in the midst of the congregation, right alongside of you, because he's taking the position of a man trusting in God. And that's the next thing. And again, he quotes another verse, and again. I will put my trust in Him. So here's the man Jesus taking a position of faith in the Father and trusting the Father and doing whatever the Father wants Him to do and staying in the position of a man, drawing His strength from from the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. I I really think I spoke on a, a series on the miracles years ago and it dawned on me the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did wasn't even the resurrection it was offering as a man offering himself without spot he through the eternal spirit that's the way he had to do it offered himself without blemish without spot to God he had every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God he had to be a man offering himself as a sacrifice how did he do that through the eternal spirit and he's sweating drops of blood he's bearing a weight that would have crushed the holiest angels and he's he's bearing it as as a man by the power of the spirit it's unbelievable but i love this where jesus said i will i'll sing praise among the congregation i'll come right out there with you I'll come right beside you. And I'll do I'll put myself in a position where I've got to believe God just like you do. In fact, more so because nobody when none of us have ever sweat drops of blood being pressured and pressed and pushed by temptation. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. Now think of this in relation you know, it was as a man. He said all these works that he did, think of him as a man, stilling those, that storm. Think of him as a man raising Lazarus from the dead. These are incredible things. Now he's God all the time, and it's, it comes through all the time, but yet he's doing it as a man, putting his trust in God. We have never seen what true humanity ought to be except in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're getting a little glimpse of what man... (laughs) It's 
It says there, even you have made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor. Well, some of that afterglow is still left, but we don't know anything of what it would have been. Amen. That's right. We only see what man was meant to be in the person of Christ. The yeah. second man and the last Adam. He's the last Adam. There won't be another, but he's the second man and there's going to be more. There's going to be more men. We'll be like him. We'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. Yeah. Well, think of this in relation to us. And our putting our faith in God. If you turn to Mark 11, this will be the last one we'll look at. Mark 11, verse 20. <clears throat> and as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered up from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe, that you have received them and they shall be granted you. Now, I don't know how in the world you do that, but I know this. He said, have faith in God. <laughs> have faith in God. He's, he's, in the parallel passage in Matthew 21, he says, if you have faith and do not doubt, you shall not only do what was done to the fig tree, now he's talking here about this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it shall happen. So, think of that. Think of what they're going along here. Peter says, Lord, look at that fig tree that you cursed. And he says, Of course, Peter, I'm God. Now, he didn't say that. He said, Have faith in God. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you have faith in God. So, in other words, not just the miracles of Peter and Paul and them, but Jesus is telling us. And a lot of this, we've been robbed of a lot of this because, you know, oh, that was just the apostles. That was only, only the apostles ever saw anything like that. Well, who knows what God might do? Amen. Jesus told me, have faith in God, when the subject of a cursed fig tree came up and, or a mountain in front of me. And he told you the same thing. Amen. So what are our points? The life and ministry of the Lord Jesus was a life and ministry of miracles. Special things. He said the Father, his son can do nothing of himself, but whatever the Father shows him to do. And even greater things than these he'll show him that you may marvel. So God specially was showing him what to do. But at the same time, for us, well, the second point, the miracles ought to cause us to believe on him, but the third point, we, we ought to be encouraged to believe God. Amen. Amen. And, it, you know, 
we haven't entered into much in terms of faith, have we? I mean, we're some of the most, speaking for myself, some of the most unbelieving believers you can imagine. And Jesus, Jesus just, I remember the Hudson Taylor, that missionary that to China, over the entrance to the China Inland Mission, it's still there, that building, I, last time I was there, it was there. It's been quite a few years ago. Have faith in God. Yeah. That's the motto. Have faith in God. Well, Lord willing, in a few minutes, we'll look at the first one of these miracles. Maybe I can pray. Our Father, we think of these disciples. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. And you said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, Lord, we have so little you can't even, can't even call it a grain of mustard seed. But Lord, you're the one, you're the author and perfecter of faith. You gave the gift of faith. You sustain our faith. You said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And you're pleased to answer the prayer when it's right to say, Lord, increase our faith. So we're asking you to take us on to a little more of what we ought to be. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.